Hello, I'm Andrew Brown, Assistant Finance Director for the Village of Tinley Park and longtime IGFOA volunteer. I'd like to welcome you to IGFOA's podcast series, Why Government Finance. Each episode will feature an IGFOA volunteer leader who will share their reasons for choosing government finance and how they have benefited from giving back to the profession through volunteering for IGFOA. Now, I'll turn it over to Dave Jelonic, partner with GW and Associates and our interviewer for today. Dave, who do you have on the docket? Thanks, Andrew. Today, I'm joined by Bill Hanna, Finance Director for the Village of North Aurora and the IGFOA Immediate Past President. Bill, welcome to the podcast. To kick things off today, what led you to a career in government finance? So growing up, I was always interested in government and public service. Um, both of my grandfathers were actually uh, circuit court judges. Um, I had uh, an uncle and a cousin who actually served in the Foreign Service. Uh, one was actually general counsel to several different countries in the 1960s and 70s. Uh, both my parents were teachers, so I, I knew I had government service in my blood, and it just something that always interested me. Um, in college, I was focusing a lot on economics and business, but I also minored in political science because I knew that was something um, that I potentially wanted to do. Um, as graduation neared and I was trying to figure out what to do next, I heard about a great program at NIU um, for my master's in public administration. Uh, my cousin had gone through the program and I was like, that sounds really interesting. And when I found out they do a paid internship and um, other benefits, I said, well, you know what? That sounds like a great next step. Uh, so I started my internship with the village of Barrington. Um, I had exposure to <clears throat> a lot of different areas of local government, um, finance, accounting, human resources, uh, risk management, uh, budgeting, general administration, really a little bit of everything. Um, it, and as time went on, I realized I really enjoyed the finance and budgeting aspect of the job. It just kind of clicked with me a little bit. Um, so after my uh, internship was done, uh, 1997, I had the opportunity to go full-time with the Village of Barrington and uh, was started out as the assistant to the Director of Administrative Services. Um, shortly after that, I, I joined IGFOA in 1997, and I've been a member of IGFOA for the last uh, 24 years. Based upon your family's history of public service, it is no wonder that you have dedicated yourself to it as well. What do you find most rewarding about a career in public service? I think for me, uh, the most rewarding thing is knowing that you're playing a, a small part in you know, maintaining the public's trust in government. Um, people want to know that their tax dollars are being spent um, appropriately and accounted for appropriately. So it, it sounds kind of corny, but you know, in thinking about it, that's really one of the most enjoyable aspects of it. Um, you know, citizens will criticize you daily for certain things that your local government does, but you know, those same citizens are going to rely on you to, to provide those services and to know that uh, those services are going to come when they need them. So. That is one of the most rewarding things I find. Um, you know, I also find it really rewarding to be able to explain local government to people. You know, whether it's my family, my neighbors, um, 
cousins, uh, other people that I work with, um, other people that I've interacted with, just to know, let them know that local government is working for them. You know, that everyone in the organization is trying to do the best, you know, job that they can. Um, so, you know, being able to uh, explain how it works to help overcome people's uh, misconceptions about it, I think for me, that's one of the most um, uh, rewarding things about you know, the career in public service. I don't think that's corny at all. Having served in local government as a finance director and now being an independent auditor, maintaining the public trust is essential for both those that work in government and the citizens that rely upon it. Prior to joining the IGFOA Executive Board in 2015, you volunteered in a variety of ways, including serving on the Professional Education Committee as an instructor for seminars and as chair of the Technical Accounting Review Committee. How has volunteering for IGFOA through the years enhanced your satisfaction as a government finance professional? You know, IGFOA really helped me um, early on in my career, uh, learning what I needed to learn, um, attending seminars, uh, attending conferences for the first time on my own. So after a while, I felt, you know, I had an obligation. I had a, a duty to give back and volunteer. Um, I, I really enjoyed uh, teaching, um, helping out with seminars. I was on the basic governmental accounting team for a number of years, and it was always really enjoyable to interact with all the attendees and hear their questions and hear what problems they might have, what specific issues they might have, and being able to help them gain a, a better understanding for that one day you know, of governmental accounting and finance, it was just always really rewarding. And I really enjoyed running into those, some of those same people later on at conferences or uh, a different higher level accounting seminar later and hearing how, hearing how much IGFOA seminars and trainings really help them uh, get a better understanding of governmental accounting and finance and help them in their careers. So interacting with everyone uh, that's involved, uh, fellow instructors and attendees has been very enjoyable. Um, and you know, just knowing that you're, again, playing a small role and giving back to the organization because you know, we were all there at one point. We needed um, additional assistance and understanding, and we got it through the association. So it's been really enjoyable over the years to, I remember working on TARC and uh, testifying with Christina to Gasby several times. And while it was uh, a little intimidating and a little, uh, you know, uh, not sure how it was going to go, but it was, it felt good being able to present our members' concerns and views on various standards and documents that Gatsby was introducing and to be able to, you know, maybe help influence the, the eventual decisions and standards that Gatsby was going to implement um, down the road. So I think giving back and volunteering and helping uh, other people get a better understanding of governmental accounting and finance was always very rewarding. You were IGFOA president in 2020 at the beginning and then during the COVID-19 pandemic. Describe your experience in leading IGFOA during a time when the association could not conduct business as usual, including canceling the in-person annual conference. 
so yeah, that was probably one of the most um, challenging things that uh, myself personally um, was ever confronted. I know it was very challenging for IGFOA as well. When you're in a position of leadership, you know, for an organization, you know that there's going to be unexpected things that come up and issues that you'll have to address. Um, but that was certainly um, completely unexpected. Um, I, uh, I remember after the downstate conference at the end of February, the entire situation was starting to get a little bit worse. And I remember after the initial order from the state came down restricting things, I think I was on the phone with Diane maybe several times a day for so many days. We were either communicating or emailing about what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to navigate this, you know, going forward? What kind of decisions, you know, are we going to have to make? I remember saying an email to all the chapters in March about how we might have to cancel all in-person events for April, how some of these trends are getting worse. Uh, we may have members that are taking care of sick family members at home or they themselves are sick. Um, it, it was really surreal and it kind of hit me at that point that this was actually pretty serious and this probably wasn't going to be a short-term event that we were going to have to deal with. Uh, it, it's, it was really crazy thinking about the things that we had to focus on because back in May, GFOA, we weren't sure if they are going to be canceling their conference, so we weren't sure what we were going to do with our social event in New Orleans. And I found myself monitoring every day what the city of New Orleans was doing to address the pandemic in regards to events because uh, the numbers were getting worse down there and we were wondering when do we make the decision to uh, cancel the IGFOA social event um, at the GFOA National Conference. And obviously GFOA canceled the conference and we canceled the event, but it was things that we never expected that we had to spend time on and, and look into. Um, Shortly after everything started, we had a uh, meeting of the executive board on Zoom. Um, it was kind of a, a happy hour event. And after that event, we kind of realized how important the networking aspect was for IGFOA. And when the pandemic started, how everyone missed getting together and networking. And we realized that we needed to do something to keep that going. Like networking was one of the most important things that IGFOA does for its members and partners. And so we came up with the idea of doing some virtual roundtables where people could come together and share ideas, share um, difficulties that they had in dealing with the pandemic. And those roundtables started in April and were very, very popular. Um, we had so many people that wanted to attend. We were doing several roundtables a day, but it was a really great way for us to all stay connected, uh, share horror stories with what's going on in our communities, what's going on in our personal lives. And I think it really helped people and was something that, you know, IGF Way was out in the forefront. And I give a lot of credit to the staff and the committees for putting those things together and uh, bringing that value to our members. Um, those roundtables were so successful. I think it's one of those things where Diane would say we were a victim of our own success. We were requested to have so many of those that it was hard to keep up and uh, and host all those. 
Um, you know, I remember being at a colleague's house early on and, you know, there was talk of wondering if school was going to be canceled for the rest of the semester. And I remember making a comment to someone, I don't know if they're going to go back in the fall. And the jaws that dropped after I made that comment was really, really startling. You know, people hadn't really considered how difficult this um, was going to be and how long it was going to last. Um, so by May, it became pretty clear that we were not going to be able to have our in-person conference. You know, there was just no way we were going to be able to do that. So um, obviously, as a board, we worked together to come to that realization and make that decision. And I'm very happy that we were able to actually have uh, a virtual conference uh, later in the fall so that we could put on some really good sessions and provide some valuable CPE for our membership, which what they really valued. Um, and again, I can't say enough about IGFOA and the committees, the conference committee and everyone involved, Diane, Beth and Ruth, you know, for bringing that virtual conference uh, together uh, in the fall. I think it was, we had to make a lot of difficult decisions. We really didn't have, you know, there was no policy. There was no playbook to activate, you know, in case of pandemic, you know, break glass. But I think we did the best job that we could. And I think I was most impressed about <clears throat> how quickly IGFWA was able to shift gears and adapt. Um, we did a lot of things that I don't think a lot of other associations did during that time. So I think we did the best job that we could to, you know, serve our members, stay calm and, you know, make the best decisions we could with the information that we had. As we turn the corner, hopefully from the pandemic and hopefully get back to business as usual and the ability to network in person again, what words of wisdom would you give to members considering a leadership position in IGFOA? It was very rewarding serving IGFOA for a number of years. Through the, uh, through the different positions that I served in, I think the one thing I learned is that it's really important to be humble. Um, engage the people that you work with, get their perspectives on things, and um, make the best decisions that you can and realize that everyone brings something new to the table. Uh, serving IGFOA in a leadership capacity, it can be, uh, it's a time commitment but it's also very rewarding. Um, and anyone considering it, I think, would uh, really enjoy the experience and take satisfaction in knowing they moved IGF way forward um, a little bit for the future. And the only th other thing I would say is, you know, if you're doing it, remember to have fun. Um, IGF way is a great organization and uh, there's lots of great people to work with. So if anyone's interested, I would definitely consider it for the future. That's all we have for today. Thank you, Bill, for a great interview and your time and your dedication to IGFOA and to public service. Andrew, any final thoughts today? Thanks, Dave. That was a great interview. I'd just like to remind our listeners to look for future episodes of Why Government Finance and keep an eye out for future podcast series from the IGFOA. And remember, the IGFOA puts the fun in finance.